Welcome to Who Immigrants Roger Rabbit with special guest Molly Sanchez. Welcome to Who Analyzed Roger Rabbit, the <laughs> podcast where we discuss uh, and analyze the classic film Who Framed Roger Rabbit one minute at a time. I am Annie McMullen, and this is my co-host, Chris Blair. Hi. Today, our guest is Molly Sanchez, uh, writer, comedian, uh, friend extraordinaire, and we are super happy to have you. Welcome, Molly. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. What a fun project. Yeah, it's pretty fun. We're having a good time here. Um, today, we're going to talk about minute 19 of, uh, of Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Molly, what is your relationship with the movie? So I have always loved this movie. When I was a little kid, I saw, I'm pretty sure I saw just the Jessica Rabbit part on Disney Channel one day and it was like, yeah, I need to watch this whole thing. <laughs> um, but it was back in the day where like it would only air like once a year on Disney Channel. So I had to wait to hear that it was coming. And then I can I have such a like visceral memory of like sitting in my parents living room where the TV with the VCR was and like trying to record it, but also trying to like pause so I didn't get any of the commercials on my tape and I we then we, we my brother and I then watched that tape with like little snippets of like Folgers commercials uh for years uh, that is so. an activity that like kids today I mean I feel kind of sad for them because it was fun right same yeah. with like catching a song you want to record on the radio mm -hmm. with I the cassette tape you know you'd be like I know they're gonna play boys to men soon <laughs> I know it's totally. coming on. I can hear it. <laughs> totally. And so I had that VHS and we watched it all the time. Um, I grew up in Southern California, so we went to Disneyland all the time, went on the ride. Um, and then as a, I really I picked this these cluster of episodes to do because I love Jessica Rabbit. Um, and I have a shot glass. Um, but fun fact, at Disneyland, you're not allowed to sell shot glasses. So I think this is this was sold to me as a toothpick holder. <laughs> um, and then on the back it has the I'm not bad I'm just drawn this way so I like I, I was excited to talk about it today I'll take a nicer picture <laughs> so we've been kind of getting feelers from this from different guests what is your opinion of the ride um it's fine <laughs> I, I this, this seems to be the consensus is it's fine <laughs> Yeah, my family doesn't love the Toontown part of Disneyland that much. So we like would dip in and out every now and then. We mostly like like Mickey's house or Minnie's house. We thought was funny. But the line to get to the Roger Rabbit ride is really fun because there's like little interactive things you can do to it. And um, yeah, so I always liked the line way better than the ride. It it It's in a weird, like it's weird that it's in Toontown. Like I, I understand why. But it definitely has like a very different vibe from the rest of Toontown. Um, yeah, it's kinda. dark and, you know, there's all the noir elements. Right. <laughs> well, they've even changed it in recent years, too. Like just I think last year they changed it um, because in the original version, it has like Jessica is very much like the victim in the ride like she's in the back of a car being kidnapped and she's tied up like really provocatively um, in another scene and so what they did now is they threw a trench coat on her 
and a hat on her and they're like no 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 she's also solving the mystery with you in the ride <laughs> i'm like oh okay <laughs> all right We are on minute 19 of the movie. Minute 19 begins with Eddie asking what's with him and ends with Betty Boop closing his mouth. Hmm. Eddie asks what we're all wondering. Like Marvin Acme is just acting like a weirdo. Oh, he is. <laughs> he is such a creepster where I'm like, that man is just foul. He is a nightmare. He's the kind of man that any woman is just like, anytime they're around yeah it's very like men you wish you hadn't started a conversation with on a plane (laughs) as a man i am creeped out by him so this is (laughs) this is how deep it runs with marvin mackme he's he's dousing himself in cologne like dousing Uh himself uh when she comes on to or like right before she comes on to stage um and like it's a full bottle. It's the old timey perfume bottle with the little uh, ball, the, the net atomizer. ball thing that yeah that you squeeze, and and you know he's already he's used the like invisible ink pen or the disappearing ink pen. He's used the buzzer, and I'm just wondering like how much gear did Marvin Acme drag into this club tonight? Does he have like one of those doctor bags that like comically opens and he's going to pull out like a tricycle or something? I honestly would not put it past. <laughs> he's a full-size bottle of cologne at his table. These are all reasonable guesses. He He's just such a weirdo. I wonder what that cologne smells like too. Is this a, a specific Ew. like scent that is maybe more geared towards tunes? Oh my God, what if it's like, oh, do banana peel? It like, <laughs> smells like banana peels. And they're like, ooh, I would fall for you. You think like the, the base note is anvil? <laughs> ooh, it's got yeah. some anvil undertones. <laughs> yeah, probably a little bit of carrot in there too. He's like, well, I know what Jessica likes. <laughs> That's pretty funny. By the way, too, with Jessica, Everybody else here is crazy about her. Or we should say all the men. All the men are crazy about her. But Eddie doesn't even know that she is not a rabbit. So she just must be very club famous and not outside of that. It's, it is surprising to me that word has not gotten around to Eddie. That Well, that she- do you think that's just because Eddie has like consciously removed himself from knowing anything about tunes? That's my guess. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, he's just purposely avoiding it. It's also 1947 in the movie, so it's way easier to ignore news than it would be now. So, Yeah, I wonder, like, are they printing a lot of, like, tune? Or do you have to pick up a separate paper to learn about <laughs> tunes? Or, like, tune into the... Do you need a cartoon radio to listen to news, oh. like, radio <laughs> My, well, there was that newspaper that Marvin, uh, not Marvin Acme, that R.K. Maroon had at the very beginning that had like, um, oh, yeah. that he was showing Eddie. So that's that's probably the big tune paper. Uh, the tune rag. <laughs> yeah, I would love to get a copy of the tune rag. <laughs> I love Betty in this minute. Yes, Betty I love Boo. her. She's just such a like, you know, women supporting women like she doesn't have like one ounce of like she's like oh what a lucky gal like you know she's looking at her so adoringly I feel like it's like yeah 
Betty Boop is a real class act, I've got to say. Like, she's pretty awesome. Yeah, I did, like, a little tiny shallow dive because I realized, like, oh, I didn't know, I don't know anything about Betty Boop. Um, And she's got a fascinating history. And, and she's, like, very much from the era of, like, when things are going from, like, silent films to now animated films. So that's why it's so, like, poignant that she's, like, not in color. Um, but one thing I thought was so interesting that I learned is like, I, or one thing I thought that was interesting looking at them together is like the contrast between Betty Boop and Jessica Rabbit, whereas Betty Boop represents like what we thought was hot in like the 20s and 30s. And then it's incredible how much our cultural taste in women swung from like the 20s and 30s to 1988 Jessica Rabbit because I think it's it's interesting that generationally people are like oh yeah curvy for sure yeah 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 (laughs) but it's like Betty Boop you know isn't super buxom she has like hips and legs but she's like she's pretty like triangle shaped whereas uh Jessica Rabbit is like huge boobs huge hips huge you know you know super skinny waist and so it's so interesting to see these two like sex cartoons next to each other and see how much what we liked about women changed in those decades yeah not not that long of a period of time too in your research did you because i learned this last week thanks to chris's research did you find out that she was originally drawn as a dog yes (laughs) Yeah, yes. That's, it's, that's wild. It's very weird. And the fact that she was still very sexualized as a dog, too, is also very was, interesting. I was the man who made it like, you know how sometimes in certain lights you just you get a feeling about your dog. And I was like, no. He's like, well, I've drawn some drawings. <laughs> you what you think? Yeah. They were into it. Um, you know, I do, I do think that that's what it was. Whether or not it was verbalized, like I'm, given recent events and you know how upset people are about the desexualization of non-human cartoon characters, I, uh, that's a hundred percent what's ha- what happened. Guy <laughs> was like, I'm just really into that dog. <laughs> I also think there's an interesting tie-in because um, there's been like lots of different people who who are credited as inspiration for Betty Boop but like kind of the one of the definitive people uh is Esther Jones who is baby known as baby Esther and she was like a singer who had a a black singer who had like a very like baby doll voice and she's said to have originated the boop boop doop catchphrase um and one thing I think is interesting about that is Esther uh Esther Jones was a regular performer at the Cotton Club, which is a club in Harlem that I think the Ink and Paint Club is based on um, because the Cotton Club was this place in Harlem at the height of the Jazz Age that had almost 100% people of color performers, but um, was deeply segregated into who could come in. So it's like you're good enough to perform at the Cotton Club, but you're not good enough to be in the audience at the cotton club and the ink and paint club is the same because noticeably mm-hmm. no tunes in the audience boom mm-hmm. yep yep no tunes no tunes allowed in this place just nothing but tune servers tune performers it's weird yeah it's I, I think it's for sure a statement um 
I don't know, it, it really does paint a picture of the 40s, you know, but we have all this glamorous side of it too. And then this is the ugly side. Yeah, I mean, even just down to like, look at the people who or look at the tunes who are forming the band. They are the crows from mm. uh, Dumbo, which have in recent years been like flagged as a deeply like minstrel and racist like stereotype. So it's like pretty telling that those same characters are also working at the Ink and Paint Club. Yeah, totally. And we had uh, the other week, we had our first canceled cartoon character. We had Br'er Bear make a little oh. appearance, <laughs> but now we get our second ones in. Uh, these crows this yeah. is the first time I noticed watching minute by minute I never noticed that her backup band before were were these crows from Dumbo but um, I have a you know a, aside from their you know problematic history and you know everything else like one they're the only people in the entire club who are completely unfazed by Jessica they're mm. cool <laughs> as a cucumber they're like whatever man I'm just here to play the bass uh <laughs> Which is kind of amazing. Yeah, like they are, I think if you're watching it, you're not analyzing it minute by minute like we are. Like you're not going to look at the crows because, you know, Jessica's just popped out on stage um, and it's quite a, a dramatic moment. But they're, they're just chilling back there. And then the other thing is like birds are exceedingly overrepresented in the tune world as far as like, and also as musicians <laughs> because we just had the two ducks playing piano mm -hmm. Uh, and now we've got a full bird band. We've got penguin waiters. There's just like a lot of birds. And as someone who has like, like I have a healthy respect for birds. I can't say that I'm like a big fan. Yeah, nor you know? can I. I don't like anything that like it can attack from 360 degrees. It's got claws, a beak. Mm -hmm. It has. They have teeth, which I find yeah. offensive. Um, offensive. And they can and they just poop like yeah. on you, around you, near you, above you. You can't Only defend poop. against a bird. Yeah, awful. Canceled we birds. also, yeah, cancel birds. Hashtag cancel birds. <laughs> cancel birds. <laughs> I agree. We also got an ostrich earlier. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, when, when Eddie was uh, leaving Maroon's office, ran into that ostrich, giving him the stink eye. So um, I just like, why are birds all the musicians? They don't have fingers. Yeah. Well, that's a good point. <laughs> like, they were like, point. you know what's funny? Birds, they ain't got fingers. Make them play all the instruments. <laughs> like, but birds are one of the few animals that do make music. Oh, that's, oh, that's a good true. Point. Oh, and they have a hey, they have rhythm, right? It wasn't that oh, there was yeah. like a parrot or something. There was a parrot. Or was that just like a weird Facebook video that I saw? It's like not true. <laughs> no, I think if if you it is definitively true that once somewhere there was a parrot with rhythm. Okay. So I'm gonna back <laughs> you up on that. Thank you. Sure. Thank you. And that parrot deserves to go to jail because cancel <laughs> birds. <laughs> no birds. Uh, we get Jessica Rabbit who comes out and she was voiced by Kathleen Turner, who remains uncredited in the movie. Because the singing voice was somebody different, right? Yes. yes. Yeah, the singing voice was somebody different. But oh, I... Kathleen Turner didn't want to be credited in the movie because oh. she. They, it was very unclear whether this was going to like suck. Yeah, um and so that. yeah so she like did it I think kind of reluctantly she's the perfect voice for her though I mean yeah she has just like the most iconic like you know sultry vixen voice yeah I agree 
It was um somebody's wife. Uh, what's her name? Who did the singing? It's uh, Amy Irving. Yeah, who's Spielberg's wife? Oh, oh right, right. Wow, good memory. Um, yeah, and I I thought that was pretty fascinating. I can't remember. I read. I should Google it while we're talking. Um, I read something about why why they used Amy Irving, but it could just be maybe Kathleen Turner doesn't sing. That could be. <laughs> yeah, that that might be it. She Jessica Rabbit is loosely based off of an MGM character. Well, first of all, Jessica Rabbit is one of the original characters from Gary K. Wolf's book, one of the four original, along with Eddie Roger and Baby Herman. Oh wow! She was a little bit different in there. Like his characters in that were not actually cartoon characters; they were comic strip characters, and she was a drawing that they would use with car advertisements. But this version is loosely based off of an MGM character, again, by our old friend Tex Avery, Red Hot Riding Hood, who has a very much Jessica Rabbit style, like Jessica Rabbit with shorter hair. <laughs> um, I also read that she's based on um, Veronica Lake, who's another oh, old-timey actress. And Veronica Lake is famous for doing the thing that Jessica Rabbit does, where her hair covers half of her face in a like really coquettish way so that's the veronica lake influence and then also vicky dugan who was this like pinup model and i think there was another pinup girl i can't remember who it was but like her like short name was the front because she was like stacked she had huge boobs um but um vicky dugan's name was the back because um she would always wear these big, dramatic, backless dresses. And she would just go to parties to turn around at the party and get, like, a sexy picture of her back. That was, like, she was, like, <laughs> her back could have been insured. Um, so that's, like, that accounts for the way that her dress is, too, in this movie. Jessica's back is uh, imposing. Like, like she Lots looks like she could... <laughs> do the like win the olympics for the butterfly <laughs> like it's the one part of her body everything else is sort of like not built to be functional but that woman's traps are um, incredible <laughs> that's really funny like her feet yeah. like a human couldn't stand on her feet right no. like mm -hmm. uh, her she has the barbie doll waist where like they've done research and they're like oh she would fall over you yeah. know because she has like no core muscles or whatever um but her back yeah. Lats or <laughs> yeah, she does lots of pull-ups. <laughs> <laughs> so we have Betty Boop say when Eddie is like, Oh, I'm I that's Roger's wife, very surprised. And Betty says, What a lucky gal. <laughs> Betty, you know, she used to have a dog boyfriend. She's still <laughs> kind of into the other species of animals. Here's what I think. So I think in the Toon world, Roger Rabbit is like Pete Davidson. Like <laughs> he's got the weirdest fucking features. He's kind of funny, and all these hot women are like, "Yeah, dad, yeah, give me some of that." Um, and I equally don't understand it. Oh, see, I understand Pete Davidson like uh, easy. I mean, I also like. 
like if you looked at my dating history you would be like oh yeah that checks out right <laughs> should I be into pete davidson no judgment, i like for only love so. i love football i love fernet and you Wait. don't go home with bartenders hey, look i have a fernet on my on my water bottle yeah I love fernet. um yeah no i guess i never <laughs> pete davidson is the fernet of men no he's not don't ruin 100%. fernet for me please he's a sinar Nope. No. <laughs> I love him. I I, I get it. I no, totally Pete Davidson it. is Jaeger. That's <laughs> he what is Pete not. Davidson is. I cannot tell the difference between Jaeger and Fernet. Like you put them side by side. Oh, no, no, no. Oh. You put Fernet, Jaeger, and Pete Davidson in a cup. I'm not telling which is which. <laughs> wow. See, wow. I the vibes I get from the like um uh the Marvin Acme Roger Rabbit uh juxtaposition if you will is like marvin acme has such strong incel vibes to me right yeah. like totally. he's this weird like toddler like i'm a nice guy baby listen to me <laughs> you know and he's just like it's it, it it makes your skin crawl in that like you're not nice like you're just saying you're nice you know um you have like zero respect for any human's boundaries we've established that so many times <laughs> in four minutes um <laughs> You know, and then Roger is like a really nice guy. He, like, he's an actual nice guy, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I see these women in this are existing in a space where they're totally objectified. They're tuned, so they have no rights whatsoever, you know? And they're like, yeah, the best thing we could possibly ask for is a nice guy, mm-hmm. which is pretty rare in this whole scenario. I mean, and I think that speaks to like a little bit of... um what's her name and Eddie's relationship too, because we have seen little, like, like Eddie is pretty nice to the women around him. You know, like mm-hmm. he's, he has some uh, violent ninja moves and he's not very friendly, <laughs> but like he, he's nice to, you know, he's nice to Betty. He's nice to uh, the other, the other women that we've seen so far, I guess just his ex. Mm-hmm. I can't remember her what- name right now. Uh, Dolores. Dolores. Um, he's really nice to Dolores. He's really nice to Betty. You know, I think Dolores remembers their time together fondly. And so I just think it's, it's a little, and maybe that's me looking at it again with my like 2021 lens where like, I'm just so sick of terrible men, but, (laughs) but that's the vibe I get from these minutes. And Annie, it's about to get even worse. It's now 2022. (laughs) Oh, and I've said 2021 like seven times (laughs) I I think you know everybody gets a grace period listen if you're gonna cancel someone cancel birds cancel birds cancel birds (laughs) (laughs) so one one last note I just have about this minute is we we're gonna hear this song plenty so don't you worry but this song is why don't you do right written by Benny Goodman in 1943 originally sung by Peggy Lee I also think that 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 just like backs up my story about the commentary that this these minutes are providing right is like the song is about kind of a no good dude right Mm. and she's singing it directly to Marvin Acme yes she is I love that yeah that's a good point the movie has quite a bit of social commentary I mean despite it having like a lot of canceled characters (laughs) in it um it yeah, has some, it has some woke moments. Although I will say, maybe not the character's fault. You know, the, those cartoons right. are just taking a job. 
they're not bad. They're just drawn this way. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I do know someone who can answer these questions, though. Good friend of the show, Gary K. Wolf. Oh, I love that guy. Oh, me too. He's the best. <laughs> it's time for the first of one of our new segments, Check In with Gary. Everybody else was was recorded before, and uh, Bob Z brought in Kathleen Turner that he'd worked with on Romancing the Stone to do the voice of Jessica. Uh, and when it came time to sing the song, uh, uh, Kathleen Turner couldn't sing because she couldn't sing the song. Now she was she was a couple of months pregnant at the time, and whether she didn't have breath control or whether she just can't sing, I don't know. <laughs> but she couldn't sing the song, and. So Steve Spielberg was there with his wife at the time, Amy Irving. And he said, hey, Amy, said, you, you know, you sang in Yensel, why don't you give it a whack? And I said, Steve, you know, nobody's gonna believe that Jessica has one voice when she sings and a totally different voice when she talks. He said, ah, nobody will even notice. And nobody ever did. Um, Kathleen, because this was early days before we had started filming or before anything happened, Kathleen agreed to do the voice, but Again, Howard the Duck. I mean, nobody knew if this was going to be any good. So she agreed to do it, but she, she was going to remain uncredited, which is what James Earl Jones did with uh, Star Wars. He, right. he did the voice of Darth Vader, but he did it uncredited because nobody knew if this was going to be any good. And then when it turned out to be a smash hit, he came forward and said, yeah, I was the voice of Darth Vader. So Kathleen was going to take the same gamble. If this was a smash hit, she would come out and say, yeah, I was the voice of Jessica Rabbit. If it was a bomb, uh, she would slink into the corner and nobody would ever knew she did it. So <clears throat> if you look at the credits at the end, you will see that it, uh, and the credits go on longer than most movies did when I was a kid. I mean, the credits <laughs> yeah. But if you look at the credits at the end, remember contractually, they, they were supposed to be at the beginning, but they're now at the end. Um, if you look at the credits, you will see that uh, Amy Irving took a credit and it says Amy Irving singing voice of Jessica Rabbit, but nothing for Kathleen Turner. And that's one of those questions I get asked all the time because he said, how come uh, you didn't credit Kathleen Turner in the movie? Like it was my decision. To, oh, no, I, don't, I don't want her name up on the screen. No, that was her choice. That was her decision. Oh, I wow. find it pretty ridiculous that Kathleen Turner and James Earl Jones, for that matter, think that people would somehow not know it was them, regardless of credit. Like yeah. they have two of the most distinct voices. Yeah. You know, she Kathleen Turner has just like that quintessential sultry lounge singer mm -hmm. voice, like, you know? <laughs> I think what they were worried about was that the movie. Uh, was going to open on Monday and close on Tuesday. Right. Uh, no, nobody would hear her voice anyway. Any last thoughts about this particular minute? I mean, I have written down that uh, Jessica's boobs enter the stage a full second before the rest of her body. Yes. Uh, so for those of you who haven't seen the movie, I know we've talked a little bit about how she's voluptuous and kind of a vixen. Um, but, uh, that's, that's the extent of how yeah. big her boobs are. 
And this will come to relevance more in the next minute, but one bit of trivia I read that I thought was so funny, and then it led me to, like, some of the perviest seconds I've ever spent on the internet. Um, I read on the IMDb trivia that... (laughs) So, okay, (laughs) let me take a second to explain breasts. Um, When they heavy and you're walking, they bounce Mm -hmm. downward because of gravity. Mm -hmm. But for... Jessica Rabbit's animation, they reversed how they would normally do animation, so they bounce up. And yeah. so I spent yeah. a couple of minutes watching the scene, <laughs> it, like, they do be bouncing up. It is disconcerting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. As a as a boob haver, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, it's... That, that's the other part about her dress, right? Like, I get right. you have a gorgeous back. Uh, there is no circumstance i don't care if they're fake or real or i don't know uh prosthetics there's Mm -hmm. no situation which boobs like that are staying up in that dress there's no amount of fashion Mm. tape no no no. making that happen but i assume because there's tunes there is some (laughs) okay stick with me because it is like cartoons don't you think that there's probably some like super skinny little mice in there who are just like holding it up like a grecian <laughs> column like the cinderella ones they're it's just like, like cinderella and she's cinderella. like come on guys like lift the titty lift the titty <laughs> you know that's what i imagine is going on you know i love that because my my boring take on it was like oh well just like gravity doesn't apply you know that to could her. be too but i i Maybe it's just like a lot of skinny mice in a skin suit. So. That makes That's a lot of sense. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm not a boob haver. I am a fan though. Uh, but <laughs> I <laughs> like that's that's something like I've never noticed, but I think it's always resonated with me subconsciously. Yeah. Is that the way Jessica Rabbit moves is not like a person? No, her hair is also like um. It's got the, it's got like fluid dynamics. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't move like hair. It's like, it's like if Lego hair were made out of jello. <laughs> it moves in one piece and it does kind of like yeah. undulate around her head. Yeah. I I like how they were like animating her and they got to the head. They're like, ah, you, no one's going to be looking. <laughs> Don't. Don't worry. Oh, about it. Yeah, let's just save money on this let's animation of the save, head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go to lunch. <laughs> Annie, do you have an MVP for this minute? Yeah, you know, I mean, I think the MVP for this minute just has to be Jessica. Like, it's mm-hmm. there. She's she really just dwarfs any other thing that happens in the minute. Just her showing up and existing is such a a presence, and every single like second of this minute kind of revolves around her arrival and the shock of it. <laughs> I would actually nominate um, Betty Boop as the MVP here because I know she does a lot of cuter stuff in the previous minutes, but I just really love her here as like this contrast point. I love her. In, I love her. And even when we also. think about too, like what I was saying before of like the kind of women we find attractive I think it's interesting that Betty Boop you know no matter how curvy she was or however she's not like a vampy woman she has like a very open face she's very cute and kind whereas Jessica's character is so femme fatale that it's like 
icy and 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 welcoming and unwelcoming at the same time and like a little mean um and so i think it's so interesting to have these like two different styles of women in the same scene so, we yeah. yeah we talked about that a little bit last time like uh, betty boop is a sexy baby she is sexy <laughs> yeah she's that like trope of a sexy baby see from sexy dog to sexy baby women you can have it all it's just all you have to do is take off the ears and change the nose a little bit i agree betty poop's always my mvp i, I love it when she closes eddie's mouth there at the mm-hmm. end too by the way it's a great little moment all right so thank you so much for joining us today molly uh can you come back on wednesday uh sure. cover the next minute great sure. we have been who analyzed Roger Rabbit? We're a dueling genre podcast. You can check out a whole bunch more of their podcasts on duelinggenre.com and go to a support link. It'll take you to the Patreon page. And we will be back on Wednesday for minute 20 of Who Analyzed Roger Rabbit. <laughs>